See, there's spoilers even in your shirt, Pat. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's just a character, though, you know, it's not really I'm just a spoiler. Playing. Pat's I'm wearing playing. A, a Twin Peaks t-shirt, <laughs> which would be amazing. Oh, and it's from, um, yeah. what's the, we should give a shout out to the website that that t-shirt is on. I never remember um, it because it's so good. It's like a printing where it's like oh, artists no. just put their stuff on like and then print it. Yeah, kind of like that, yes. It's really good. Shoot, next time. <laughs> Welcome to Laura Palmer is Dead, a Twin Peaks podcast. <laughs> you can just wear that shirt every week. That we one will. of us usually does. We both have it. I never <laughs> wash it, so. <laughs> it's no. so comfortable, though. It's really comfortable. It comfortable. But yeah, there are spoilers on the shirt. And we were talking about, with now that Melissa's on Pinterest, like, I took the spoiler pins I had uh-huh. off of the Geekery board, but you still, your feed might have pictures now that are spoilers. So it's very hard when a show's 25 years ago to keep spoiler-free. <laughs> it's a challenge we're having. I know. Yeah. Like I mentioned, through text message, I was binge-watching Homeland because I was house-sitting. My brother has <laughs> HBO, so I try and fit in everything on cable that I need to watch. And it was like, I heard the music, and I was like, this is weird for Homeland. Like, that really sounds twitch-speaking. And I was like... It's a preview! And it was just like uh, them going down the road, but I was like, nope, fast forward, fast forward. Right! Uh, it, and the Showtime teaser, even the teaser trailers, like they show you nothing. They've mm-hmm. even, they cut out before they reveal the population on the sign when they're doing this like reveal of the Welcome to Twin Peaks sign. So oh. like they're being so, so cautious. 51,000 something? 201. 201. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched today episode 2-2, Coma, and episode 2-3, which I had the name slightly wrong. It's something with... The Man Behind Glass. Oh, yes. Man okay, Man Behind Glass. Um, we've noticed right off the bat, Tom, you started to notice this with The Great Northern, that now there's always there's always something new and fun at The Great Northern in the background, whether it's cheerleaders yeah. or... A barbershop quartet, <laughs> yes. smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. <laughs> but they're just humming. They're not singing any... Were they humming? I couldn't, I couldn't tell if I was like hearing something or not. A gentle low hum. It was a gentle hum, yes. Yeah, well, hum. while Albert and Coop have breakfast... And uh, Cooper is talking about the happy generation, which is something, some Buddhist cultural reference. But I really like it because I think Coop is part of the happy generation. (laughs) He's just a very happy person. And uh, Albert is his usual cynical self. They're talking about Bob. And he says, Yeah, okay. Has anyone seen Bob in the last few weeks on this earth? (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's just going with Coop as usual. And Uh-oh. Albert's the best because I feel like he's what most watchers are. Like this mm-hmm. weird cynical person being like, what the fuck is going on here? He's, yeah. an, out- he's an outsider. Weird. He's an outsider looking in. He's got some good burns um, in this one, too. He does. <laughs> you mentioned the first burn and then... Several more. Then he insults the town again, uh, describing them as drunken fishermen. Yep, the usual <laughs> bumper crop of rural know-nothings. But we but we also learn that Albert is really a creature of love yes. and a pacifist in the uh, path of uh, Dr. King and Gandhi. So yeah, and that's one of my favorite moments in episode two three. Albert like gives us this beautiful speech out of nowhere about 
love. And then he, he leaves. He's leaving town and he puts on his glasses and goes, I love you, Sheriff Truman. Yeah. <laughs> With the Twin Peaks theme music in the rising up in the background in this lovely way. And I'm glad you caught that moment because I wrote a note about that. I'm seeing more and more in this viewing especially that a really big theme in Twin Peaks in general is just duality and like the face we show versus who we really are. Um, and we see with Albert that it's this kind of reverse thing where the face he shows is this grumpy curmudgeon who's kind of an asshole, but actually he's like this loving, sweet person. It's like he's testing them. Yeah. Or testing himself to see if he'll, if he'll fight back when he gets hit. Yeah. Because he... Once he likes you, he really likes you. Like, you get the sense that now he's totally on... He, like, really does love Truman. Or do you think he just... He meant that in the sense of, like, he has love for all human beings. That's kind of what I was getting out of it. It is. It is. Yeah. Not that he necessarily, like, is a big fan of Sheriff Truman's, but... But well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Oh, back to his burns. He calls the, um, they interview the old man <laughs> room service waiter. and Dr. Albert, Drool. <laughs> Senior Drool Cup. Senior Drool Cup, yes. Yes, which is awesome. <laughs> um, we do learn, important plot point, the tough thing about Albert is he's really soft-spoken and speaks very quickly, but he fills us in very quickly about Wyndham Earl, who is... Um, Cooper's former partner has Coop. He's flown the Coop. Um, he was put in a loony bin for some reason, and I hate that's their words, not mine. Um, but he's escaped, and Cooper says that's not a good thing for him. So we've set up some sort of sinister force in Wyndham Earl, but we don't know anything else about him besides he's Cooper's former partner. He says it's very troubling. Yes. Yeah, something like so that. I'm going to take back what I said in a previous episode about Jerry being the best actor because he's really I, before he seemed like the most naturalistic and like yeah. real. Like in one, I you know I can't keep the episodes we watch straight, so I don't know which one I'm talking about from today. <laughs> two 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 so, two. I know which one you're going to say. Yeah, like um, this one, he uh, he gets all soap opera y and lynchy. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I think it's purposeful though. There's a really weird change in tone in Jerry that is very out of character. I mean, yeah, it's probably like he's taking direction or something to yeah. do that. It's it's kind of, to me, I almost took it as that, like, we know there's some sort of force in Twin Peaks. Like, Jerry, I, I wrote a note about Jerry in that scene because it's Jerry and Ben. They've got the two ledgers from the mill, and they're trying their damnedest to give us the mill plot, which right. is, you know, and then they've got a... Uh, yeah. pig, Which one do we like burn? Like a smoked cheese pig. Yes. <laughs> smoked cheese pig. <laughs> yeah. Which is just smoked cheese in the shape of a pig. <laughs> it didn't really look like a... I couldn't see it's where like the... Boar. Oh, it was like the head was over here. Yeah. He was kind of like eating his stomach. He was munching on the stomach. I'll have to go yes. back and look at it. I couldn't really <laughs> but, see the pig. But his obsession with food goes continues. on. Continues. Yes. Yes. But to Tom's point, he's like... Classic Jerry. I put, like, Jerry's also one of the happy generation. Like, he's so joyful about the pig. And, like, it seems we're 100% sure of absolutely nothing. And he's, like, (laughs) so happy. And then all of a sudden when Leland comes in and starts being a terrible lawyer who, like, (laughs) called the Icelanders to let them know, like, a good Samaritan that, hey, there was this fire. Um, It's like suddenly Jerry shifts into just demon mode. And he's, like... Kill him, and he says something very weird that I'm like, oh. it's very... Oh, um, 
is this real, Ben, or some strange and twisted dream? And it's just not the way Jerry speaks. It doesn't feel like his language. The tone really shifts. The music shifts. To me, it seems like... Very un-Jerry-like. And then he asks, can I kill Leland? Yeah, he's like... Oh, he says, do I have to kill Leland or something? Right. No, what happened? Strange. Either Ben says, kill Leland, or Jerry says, should I kill Leland? Yeah, something like that. And with the The horns... The implication is that Jerry might kill Leland. (laughs) Right. With the horns, there's always, with Ben and Jerry, there's like that line of like, are they kind of just... Like business tycoons who are sort of gray in terms of morals, or, or are they like pretty evil? You know, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. this is yeah. where we're trying to suss that out a little yeah. bit. So it is, it is a weird shift. And Leland is awesome in that scene because he is the world's worst attorney. <laughs> um, you can tell they're just keeping him around because you know his daughter got murdered and. Yeah. They're just trying to put up with him. <laughs> like, every time they see him, they're like, damn it. Just do my taxes. <laughs> yeah. Please stop trying to get involved. It is in this scene. And, and in this episode, it's weird. They have these pictures lying around everywhere of, have you seen this man? And it's Bob. We know, we know his name's Bob. And then in this episode, they act like we don't know that. And they're calling him the long-haired man, which is weird. Catch up. But Well, the maybe the... I don't know if the characters know who But they've Bob been referring is. to him as Bob, haven't they? Yeah, because it was um, the one-armed man and Bob. Right. Right? Okay. From, yeah. like, the dreams. Yeah. And even but Tom, certain, you knew but that. But not all You, like, said something about, like, not Bob. All char- no, no they've, been, they've been calling him Bob. But not all characters may have known no. his no, that's name. True. So maybe that's... Yeah, how do we know his name? It's a little um, bit foggy. <laughs> because Four Cooper people had have a seen dream. him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was Cooper a had the dream with... chart. Yeah, four people have seen him. Mrs. Palmer... Uh, Cooper, Maddie in this episode. And Ronette. And Ronette. Which, okay, one of the biggest, baddest moments in Twin Peaks. And I was telling uh, our buddies here that, like, when I saw it for the first time was a legit blood-curdling scream for me. It was, like, the moment where right after Donna and James and Maddie have been singing their hit debut single, Just You, um, (laughs) Maddie is by herself because Donna's having one of her Donna fits. And you just see very slowly Bob kind of come into frame, like from behind the couch, and then he starts just crawling over the couch. And never has a Canadian tuxedo been so terrifying. <laughs> like, just so scary. And Cheryl Lee, nobody does scared like she does. I mean, she really seems scared. It's true. It's but a really scary moment. Let's back up to how James, Donna, and Maddie were singing. <laughs> into microphones. I just put. They just are just working put, on a number that they wrote in their free time. Something about James's face. I was just like, this is the most Jamesy his face is ever gonna look. <laughs> Mine was, why aren't their parents around? Being like, why are you guys singing? What's going on? <laughs> you guys putting on a little show for your school? <laughs> yeah, Do they go to school? Because they have not attended school no. since that first episode. And they have what look like some optional. pretty high-end mics, <laughs> microphones right. set up. Yeah. Like, where do yeah. they get those? Because it's suddenly true. Donna's doing Meals on Wheels now, but like, the old lady that she visits, which we'll get into, yeah, but she's so like, I'll come back outside. for lunch, and it's like, shouldn't you be in school, Donna? <laughs> like, you're a high school student. Right. None of them are in school. <laughs> which, like I said, the network was kind of like... 
okay, uh, we framed it around the fact that Laura was in high school. Let's graduate these motherfuckers already. Like, it's just not interesting having and no one's school like, in the oh, picture. Yeah, I want to get out of this creepy town. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, nobody get leaves. murdered all the time. Um, one of my favorite, you know, it's funny. I was reading, and so I can see why. I try not to read reviews of things because they do skew me. But I wanted to read some reviews, like, from this time when the show actually aired. And one of the reviews was kind of saying it wasn't as good as season one and that they were becoming a bit meta and, like, knew that they were Twin Peaks and were trying to be a little weird. And I thought that, especially 2-2, was, like, right on point. David Lynch directed, totally perfect. And one of the scenes in the review they mentioned as kind of, like, too shticky. Like, they also mentioned getting too funny were um, Harry, Harry and Cooper with the stools in the hospital with Renette. <laughs> and I thought it was genuinely funny and yeah. so real. Yeah. That is the funniest scene we've seen so far in It was scenes. wonderful. I think it was so great. Can't figure out the... The, how to get them stools, yeah. yeah. The they bring over these stools, and even I was—I noted the stools are weirdly high. <laughs> and then they notice that, and then they have to take their time to figure out how to lower the stools, <laughs> which is like, do not be—do not remain seated. Right. Do not remain. Yeah. And and like Harry's reading the instructions while Cooper's like very quietly standing and keeps apologizing to Ronette. And I don't feel like it's overplayed in any way, but it was really funny and really real. And, like, I think they nailed it. I mean, yeah. and I feel like the blend of that kind of humor with the heightened, like, dreamlike state of the show, where, Tom, you were even noticing, you were like, it's a little bit hard to keep the thread of the plot. And I think that's on purpose, because it feels yeah. like everything's non-sequiturs and very dreamlike. And that's on purpose. Because when you're dreaming, you know, people say weird things to each other and respond oddly. And like... They just go into one scene after the next. Yeah. Movie. It's not a good show to take a bathroom break. <laughs> no, you can't. Very quickly. And it's much easier to binge it than to do weekly like we're doing. Yeah. Like, that guys... I had to even be like, what's going on? When you guys dream, do you talk to people much in your dreams? Because I'm thinking about it now just because you said that, like, I almost never do, I don't think. Right. And when you do, it is like in the scene with the old woman and her grandson, like, I asked for no cream corn. Do now, you... see, that, that that never happens to like, <laughs> okay. like, If I am talking to someone, it's like a normal it's conversation. Normal. <laughs> I feel like it is those weird clipped non sequiturs where, like, someone comes up to you and just says something odd. And you, yeah. Never happens. Nope. All right. Well, I've been watching Twin Peaks too long to know what is real and what's lit. I mean, you don't dream about cream cream corn. (laughs) Who loves cream corn? You know what? I like cream corn. Do you really? No, I do. I really like it. Actually, I was out of a can, but like on the plate, it looked pretty good. Not in the kids' hands, but (laughs) on the plate, it looked good. So gross. Well, let's talk about that scene, because that's an amazing okay, scene. Yes. Meals on Wheels, Donna goes and visits uh, the old lady from Happy Gilmore. Because she's investigating what Laura was doing with her life. Yeah. Because that's Donna's new role, is to yeah. be faux Laura. Our little Living, Nancy Drews yeah. are not very good at their sleuthing. <laughs> they There's really... a lot of infighting right now between <laughs> yeah. the three the detective agencies. Donna, Audrey, triangle. and the Bookhouse Boys. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the old what? lady. I'm committing right now. I'm going to sing that song that James sang and put it up on the podcast page at some point. Okay. With me with me and Melissa being like... We're going to all do it. Okay. Just, <laughs> just 
mostly Kelly. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna put on wigs. We're gonna put on scary orange lipstick. But we're just putting the sound on. Why do we need to wear wigs? Because it's more fun that way. Yes. Cosplay, Melissa. Cosplay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And speaking of wigs, uh, the actress who plays Laura slash Maddie does not look good as a brunette. Have I said that before? Surely, yeah. It's, at least in this episode, Perhaps. she really looks not. Attractive. She looks the best as kind of a like dirty blonde, which is yeah, what she really is. Yeah, she's a pretty, is. pretty blonde. Yeah, she's a very beautiful, very talented. I like really think she's very compelling, and Maddie's such an annoying character, and yet so she makes annoying. her. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy yeah. watching her, but I do want to talk about the old lady yeah. and yes. the grandson because they are to me like this is Lynch at its lynchiest, and it's brilliant. It's, I would not want to be that little boy living with that old lady. I'll tell you that. And that was but another scream I don't know if I want to live with that boy. Right. She <laughs> seems creepy magic. like a very nice <laughs> creepy girl. Creepy creamed corn-based magic? That yeah. is where I draw the line. <laughs> and that's what like Lynch does, where it's not... When I think about the things in Twin Peaks that were my big scares, a guy in a Canadian tuxedo, a kid holding creamed corn, like none of these things are actually the things that you should be scared about, but like right. he sets up and builds this tension where you're just like ready to start screaming and then the littlest thing will provoke you and something mm -hmm. like there's cream corn where there wasn't cream corn and I'm like screaming. I'm gonna have to yeah, go you're back just and just like what I'm gonna have to rewatch that scene because it looked like the cream corn was like super important like he wasn't really yeah. holding it, the actor. Yeah. Why not just have the kid I hold some know. cream corn? And I've wondered I about that. I can't because it reminds me of this is gonna be super gross. Um, <laughs> Yay <laughs> Me and my friend went to Korea, and we were taking a very bumpy bus ride, and my friend had a throw up. And so, she, we were on a Korean bus. I see where this is going, and I love it. So, she just throws up in her hands and holds it. Oh and I'm God. digging through my purse trying to find anything to cover it, and all I found was, like, maxi pad, like, the outside, and I just, like... <laughs> So that MacGyver. no one would see it. And finally, a little Korean woman just like waved a bag at us. It was like, bag? And I was like, thank you. And so then in all of the pictures, we were going to some like temple. Wow. You see Amy holding a bag of vomit because she's like, well, what if I have to vomit on the way back? Like, I'm going to need this bag. You don't have a bag. Oh my God. Very logical. Very logical. And, and that does look like <laughs> that's, porn. Yeah, yeah. It oh was. Oh my god, one of the worst experiences. And I've had many. Thanks for listening, Amy. We really appreciate your continuing with us. <laughs> she doesn't. Want <laughs> <laughs> a great story, though. Right. Well, <laughs> right. I don't know if Amy will be listening to this because when I had breakfast with her on Tuesday, she asked, "So podcasts are like talk radio?" Oh no! Oh, yeah. that's really sweet. She's, she's, 34 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Love you. Yeah, for those. Yeah, I, I don't think my parents have listened, but they wouldn't get it. <laughs> that, that it's weird that they were actually our age when Twin Peaks was on, but oh. they're not interested. They have no interest. <laughs> like my parents no interest. are the same way. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so interesting. Twin Peaks? Speaking of, while we're on the subject of parents, <laughs> I'm noticing something. Like, because, like, my mom hates Tom Cruise. Whenever she, he comes on the screen, if like I'm watching TV, she'd be like, "Oh, I hate him. He's so unattractive." Like you guys feel the same way about James. James. I, I just want to point out, like we get a lot. 
men get a lot of flack in the entertainment industry for, or like just in the world for like only wanting to see pretty women on screen. Wait a second. Time out. But I don't get like a, I don't get like, oh, I hate that lady whenever she comes on the screen. Um, I empirically, <laughs> he is attractive and I can see that. He's oh, okay. unattractive because he's oh, annoying and face. yeah. This, right. It's his personality, in fact, that makes him unattractive. <laughs> if I didn't, if he had never spoken and you just showed me his headshot, I might be like, oh, there's a hot guy. So right. it, actually, it's the opposite Withdrawn. of being shallow. Tom <laughs> yeah. just, just yeah. has some man love for With, James. He's Withdrawn. an absolutely beautiful man, for sure. Just <laughs> He's I either could, a great actor who right. looks so stupid in every scene, or he's just a stupid man. I don't know. We watched, I, don't know. I agree. I, I agree. can't tell. We can't he tell. He could be I a mean, genius. He could be a genius. He's been in other stuff, right? Like, I feel like I've seen him in stuff. Not yeah. much, though. Not I would IMDb it, but we're recording. I, yeah, I and I feel bad saying this, because, uh, yeah, you're totally right, and I hate when people say, like, and definitely, like, since he's not going to listen, my dad is that type who will be like, she, was, she wasn't she was very attractive, so I don't like her as an actress, <laughs> you know, but like, which is terrible, but no, it's the, it's the opposite for me. Like, yeah. the better your personality is, and like, the more interesting you are, the more I'm going to think you're attractive, which is why Jerry... Horn gets cuter to me every watching. <laughs> like he just, I think he's really cute. There's something about him that's adorable. It's he's his wannabe. Like, he's, he's a good-looking guy. He though, loves empirically life empirically as well. Um, I think big big scene with Audrey at One-Eyed Jacks. This, oh. <laughs> I just that was so transparent. I just pivoted from James <laughs> to Audrey. I'm so sorry, Tom. That was really mean of me. Oh no, I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I hate James and I love Audrey. So James reminded me of Audrey. Um, I don't like James. I mean, I guess I do like him still, but like, I don't know. I just <laughs> you guys hate him so much. No, that scene <laughs> is really good, and Lynch loves that scene. It's it really bothers. It's my it's my prop. Like that's a good Lynchy scene. To me, Lynch is like three things. It's like scary out of slices of life, a little bit film noir, and like which is that. It's like a little bit film noir, and then like just this kind of like something is weird, and we don't know what is weird. Like, mystery feeling. Something's just off. Yeah, something's off. With these two episodes where they have the trio scene of James, Donna, and Maddie, it just feels very, I know what's going to happen. Donna's going to get mad because Maddie looks exactly like Laura, and now we know that James really loved Laura, and not really Donna, and now Donna's really jealous, and it's like, ugh. Okay. I know. I've seen it but before. But that's high school. You it's know what's true. funny? It's I'm true. I'm reading The Princess Diarist by Carrie Fisher, who I love. I love Carrie Fisher, and I've read all her books, and I think she's a great author. And these are like literally diaries from when she was 19. And 19-year-old Carrie Fisher is Donna. I mean, she's like, "Uh, Harrison Ford doesn't like me." <laughs> but he's sleeping with me. Like it's just like and she the fact that she released these is just like, "Wow, so vulnerable." But it really shows you how even though it is predictable, it's so right. dead on. And right. I think we don't like it because we see ourselves. Yeah, that's probably you know? it, where it's like, we've all been the girl where it's like, "Oh, I don't think he really like, likes so me." So much drama. I just wrote like I wrote I was like, Oh my god, everything is so dramatic. Like, but it's because that's being a teenager. And <laughs> Laura Flynn Boyle, you know, that's one of those actresses who let her issues get in the way of what would have been a good career because you can really see in Twin Peaks how she is very talented. She's very beautiful. She's very smart. 
had everything going for her and clearly being difficult to work with and creating drama in every production she was involved in, like, got in the way, you know? Because I was like, wow, she's really compelling with this role. I mean, truly, she has some terrible shit to have to say. She was... Yeah. And she says it well. She was you know? huge in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, and she just got in her own way. Have you guys heard about the, <laughs> the backstory behind the girl from um, American Beauty, the daughter, the daughter, uh, the brunette girl? The brunette? Uh, yeah, like, I guess her dad was oh. her manager and would, like, always be on set and, like, being oh. creepy and an asshole and, like... That's why she was never in anything ever again. So bad. Oh, okay. I mean, with child actors, you're basically casting the parent. I mean, yeah. you have to consider that because that's who you're working with, you know? Like, oof. Yeah. Okay, so to go back to <laughs> One-Eyed Jackson Audrey, um, another Nancy Drew who's gotten herself in too deep. Audrey is at One-Eyed Jacks, and this is my other example of, like, duality in Twin Peaks We've got these two sides that we know about Audrey. There's the, like, kind of vulnerable little girl side that she shows with Cooper. And then there's the, like, really, really manipulative, I'll do anything to get my way side. And we see both of those in both of these episodes. So, like, she's she walks into a room where Emery Battis is, like, tied up in weird positions and blindfolded and having, like, his toenails painted. And someone vacuuming next to him. You know, just weird. And that's outfit. part of the fantasy. Yeah, he like gets upset when the vacuuming stops. Right. Yes, that's his fetish. That's his kink. Mm-hmm. And Audrey like threatens him, and is she even says she's like, "I'm Audrey Horn, and I get what I want. So tell me everything you know." So in a long string of exposition, we learn that surprise, surprise, Benjamin Horn is the owner of One Eye Jacks. He's the owner of everything. He owns it all, um, and that. Emery Battis was running girls through the perfume counter. Ronette and Laura were both being run through the perfume counter. Like, it's like a recruitment method for sex workers. Which we knew. <laughs> Which we knew. Right, we knew. And for Audrey some reason knew, but she she's sort of surprised too. about it. Maybe yeah. because it's second season, they have to refresh everyone of yeah. why she's there to begin with. Yeah, She could, still that, seems that to be, yeah. Like, yeah. be in denial a bit about her dad being the owner. Like... Even, Even though she knows the owner was the one going to see her. Yeah. Right. And try so, to sleep with her. Right. So she's thinking she's going to use this I'm Audrey Horn to get what she wants. And in fact, it actually goes in totally the opposite direction. And they kidnap her. And very, very sinister stuff. They get her like addicted to heroin on film and send it to Benjamin Horn. But he hasn't, they're, they're sending it to. French Connection her, if you've seen that movie. Yeah, and it's extremely... It's, like, really, like, creepy and, like, scary because I've never done heroin. No. (laughs) But... Me neither. But no when heroin I've, users like, at the table. But I have been on a morphine PC oh. when I was recovering from yeah. open heart surgery. How was that? <laughs> and it does. It is this, like, creepy, like, it's warm and it goes through your body, like... And when I had the staph infection that caused what I eventually had to have heart surgery for, like, I had been on a morphine PC for long enough that I went through, like, withdrawal when they took me off of it. So, like, I know what kind of, like, withdrawal feels like. And so the stuff that they're doing to Audrey, it's very, very weird and calculated. Like, they're, like, keeping her at a dosage of heroin that's just enough to, like, keep her alive. But, like, 
threatening on ODing and they're like giving her what she needs, but just barely. Yeah. It's yeah. very yeah. dark She's stuff. She's going to be very hooked on heroin yeah. from what I know of. It's very weird <laughs> and dark and very like, like if you've seen Blue Velvet, it has another Lynch element, which is like sexy drug use kind of <laughs> like she is wearing like what is in, totally a male fetish like she's dressed like a little schoolgirl in like a little pink sweater with like little oxford like shoes yeah, and like right, yeah. right and there's like a lacy black kerchief being put over her face there's all these like sexualized images of her and drug use that are very weird and, and then I, every everyone else is in corsets yeah so, so she's like the, so now she's the like the innocent little doll you know which, which we learned the mistress blackie uh, is also addicted to heroin because of Ben, ben. Horn. He, yeah. So she's getting ben revenge on Ben Horn now. With his little daughter. With his by, little daughter. By getting his daughter addicted. Yeah. She's riding the white horse like her daddy did to me. Mm-hmm. Oof. It's very... And Ben is very nonchalant. Like, the, he calls the sheriff's department and like, drinking red wine. And he's like, Audrey's been missing for maybe two days. And like Cooper gets really upset. Shippers, yay! Cooper (laughs) shows that he is really upset, and he even tells Diane like Audrey's disappearance touches me in a way I didn't expect, and I find myself thinking about her. He's telling Diane. Diane again. Who is Diane? (laughs) Yeah, she's very on the ball. She has sent him things. She sent him the uh, the ear. Uh, plugs. You so think can... she's an assistant, but then there's like some intimacy because he does share personal things with her yeah. too. Oh, okay, that's true. It's like if you work with someone long enough, they know about all of your quirks because yeah. you're like, well, we hang out for so many hours a day. It's like here's all my neuroses. It's his work wife. Yeah, it's his work wife. <laughs> yeah. Aww, which is basically just a tape recorder. Shout out to my work wives, Shara and Deb. Yes, I've got two. <laughs> And I've never been happier. <laughs> You're a work polygamist. I am. And never going back to husbands. Only wives. Um, yeah, I only have wives at work. They're too. great. It's wonderful. So I've never been happier. I've only had husbands. So. <laughs> You've got a work son. I have a work son. Right He's do. both of our sons. I sometimes pack Pat a lunch and I'll write Pat a little note and then I'll write him a little note too. This is Tyler. Tyler's Tyler. one of our listeners. Oh. Yeah, you Tyler. Our son. Yeah. <laughs> I am interviewing still for work, so if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> Masters in Software Engineering. Uh, and a Twin Peaks expert. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't really well, remember the face. Right, we are so. working on a flashcard system. <laughs> Tom has face buttons. No, I, really, I, don't have, I say that, but I, I, it's actually not the faces I don't remember, it's the names. I just have a yeah. weird thing with names. And I that. totally get it. No, Having no. watched it ten times helps. In all fairness, like, we've been dating for a long time, and sometimes we have to do family roll call of, like, oh like all right. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. switch up for two nephews. <laughs> names. He's like, Nathan, Connor, Aaron, Liv? I was like, no, Connor, Nathan. He's like, uh. <laughs> I do the same thing. Yeah. I, now I know them, but, like, Kaylin and Sean and Tim, that, those were my three. That, that was a hard that one. That were toxically hard yeah. to get. His dad's an identical twin, and so the sons kind of look alike, and, like, they all kind of look like Pat, and it's, like, very confusing. It's like having a glass of wine, and you don't know who's who. Like, usually I would get the name by this point, but, like, of her nephews, but it's like, Connor looks like a Nathan, and Nathan looks like a Connor, so. Oh, God. It always gets me. It's tough. Let's hope our families don't listen. 
Dad, I love you, and I'm well, sorry I said that earlier. Rob does listen. He's one of our listeners. So. Oh, okay. Awkward. We, we love them. And I, I was just telling my dad, like, I really do wish that I had some recording of him and a couple friends of his, like, talking about something in their 30s. It's just interesting to, like, hear. But anyway, oh, interesting thing we learn. Um, so I know we all don't love Hank, but we yeah. find out that Hank is a former bookhouse book boy. <laughs> and, um, and Hank and Harry used to be, like, BFFs. So there's a very awkward little love triangle scene with Hank, Harry, and Cooper, where Harry is now Hank's parole officer and is coming in to sign in, and then Cooper comes in, and there is, like, I feel like there's this weird, like, jealousy between, like, Cooper and Hank over Harry, but maybe I'm just building up the Harry bromance with Cooper too much. And Hank buck shames Harry, because <laughs> yes. he's like, that's a cute little buck you got there, because it oh is a very, it's like, looks like a very young buck. <laughs> it's like really, oh. and it says the buck stops here yeah. on a plaque under it, it's so cute. I like the sign, the sign is clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's scene. a great little scene. The only thing I have noted is why is Hank wearing a necklace? Why haven't I not seen that before? You know what is this necklace? <laughs> oh, Harry, Harry's necklace. Harry's necklace. Yeah, sorry. yeah. he's the, got like the, an Indian uh, little turquoise run, right? Uh, yeah, he's worn it before. Yeah, yeah. it's Harry likes very jewelry. large for a man jewelry. I know this is bad, but in my mind, I've always imagined that Hawk gave him that necklace. <laughs> like I know that's bad, but it's another Indian. There's yeah. Native yeah, American. Maybe per- there's a, there's a great line. So we meet um, Dick Germain, men's fashion, porn's department store, in one of these two episodes. And, Classy um, looking guy, dresses well. A possible parent of Lucy's baby. Because, <laughs> uh, yes, in the Lucy Andy oh, drama, so good. Lucy's pregnant, don't forget. <laughs> But we find out that Andy tried to sell his sperm like a bunch of times, and they're uh, like, "Oh, because it was his civic duty." Andy okay, likes I have, whales. I have a quote. What the hell does here. that mean? So <laughs> what I want to know? No, I mean, I get that, but like, so he thought he what? was Tacoma. Maybe he has a lot of whales. Sperm, a sperm whale. No, I, I understand, that, oh, but I'm saying, how would donating? How could his, I don't know. even a retarded Andy brain? Sorry, I used the R word. But, like, how could even his his brain, like, think... I don't know, but that... that somehow the two are connected. I made Tom and Melissa rewatch that little part because no. I think it's brilliant. And, okay, you guys watch 30 Rock, right? Oh, yes. yeah. Do you Hello. think that, um... What's his name? Um, oh, uh, that's... Uh, kind of his character's a little bit like Andy. Oh, um, Kenneth. Kenneth, Kenneth the Page. Kenneth the Page, Like, his yes. character's a little bit like Andy. Like, you'll get more and more lines that are very Andy-esque. Not saying that he stole it from Andy, but, like, Andy's, like, the way he very quickly explains about this, the... We find out Andy yeah. is sterile, and he says, Sure, I thought it mean, meant I didn't have to take a bath, yeah. but what I found out was that I couldn't have babies. <laughs> so what I want to know <laughs> that, is, that is why a 30 he had one, and guys, how. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he sounds like Kenneth. He it's does so, sound like Kenneth. And then the there's Southern more lines like, you'll hear that I'm like... Oh my god, did Kenneth watch Twin Peaks and was influenced by Andy? He's a southern sweet guy, you know. So much so twin. that our subtitles thought when he said whale, whale. that it was well, W-E-L-L. Yeah. So I love that little scene. He's super funny. And like, and see, I, th- I don't think that that humor was over the top. I think that that like actually worked. No, yeah, it did. 
Totally. But like we said, then Andy tries to kiss Lucy, but it's like, well, hold up. <laughs> Nothing about yeah. this she moment. Is like just pregnant with another. <laughs> yeah. She's pregnant with another man's baby. You don't know who it is. But you're right. you still want to get back in her. I guess that means he really loves her. Like he still say, wants her. He'll, to take a, he'll still take a kiss from her. Yeah. Now Lucy's last name is Moran, which obviously is supposed to be like moron. Uh. But like, <laughs> I think, and I'm starting to see that like Lucy is actually very smart. She is extremely organized. She's very good at her job, and she comes up with a lot of little things like above and beyond that they kind of like miss so I'm yes. like a little bit like why did they make her Lucy moron that's not cool I get what you're trying to do put Lucy in her place so Dick comes into play <laughs> and I just want to say that he has an ascot <laughs> and a plaid shirt on because, gentlemen of Logan Square take note <laughs> your new fashion challenge you've already done plaid Hey. And so, <laughs> he's the, the I don't live in Logan Square, but I wear plaid all the time. Come on. So does Pat. I he's, get it. We both right. love men in plaid, obviously. It's true. He's the town fashionista, the town... Right. Metrosexual, yes. what yes. we call it Metro, nowadays. Yes. Yes. Capital. I saw we were uh, walking up away from Kuma's Corner earlier today, and or yesterday, yesterday. and uh, there was a, a barber shop, and in the sign it had like, a picture of a guy with like a haircut, and it said... Less metro, more sexual. And I thought, Ooh. like, that is an awesome ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yes, he's very, very well-dressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I assumed he was gay at, when we first meet his character. Just, but then, a, just a fop, like a modern-day yeah, dandy. dandy. Yeah. And they didn't really have, like, out gay characters yeah. on TV back then. Very sophisticated. No. What I want to say, I want to give a little dating advice real quick here. <laughs> Because of a friend... Kelly is dating tips. <laughs> a, a friend in our life who will, will remain nameless, of course, for protection and privacy's sake, it ran into a similar situation that Lucy had here. So, like, Lucy is, like, saying when she has lunch with Dick, we went out every Thursday for the last three months. Ladies, gentlemen, if you're the Thursday date, you're not the only person in this person's life. Like, Thursday's yeah. a good day, it's better than Sunday, but it's not Friday or Saturday. And if you're not getting the weekend date, you gotta question if you're the only one. Like, why she thought seeing him every Thursday for three months meant that they were, like, in a serious relationship, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't once, pick up on that. Once a week I'm sure that's dates. What, and I'm sure they meant to, like, make that clear, too. Kelly's dating advice. <laughs> that's free. <laughs> well, and then he did the... Dick moved, because I'm his sure that's Dick. His name is Dick, <laughs> because he was a dick. Heavy-handed. Where <laughs> then they slept together at the Horns home furnishing section, <laughs> which means you do not buy a mattress Don't from the floor. Do it. <laughs> also, Horns, we've got our hands in everything. <laughs> like, needs to be their actual logo. Gross. She's like, all I wanted was, like, a phone call. He's like, I'll give you 20% off, like, a dress. And then she's like, a maternity dress? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's two lines that, like, could be my gnawing on the scenery lines. Either Lucy's, better make it a maternity dress. <laughs> that's or... Pretty, that's pretty good, Lucy. <laughs> thank you. Or Donna's at Laura's grave. It's almost like... They didn't bury you deep enough. <laughs> yeah. Which one? Which one? I gotta one? give it to Donna, because she also yeah. had that line, like, uh, 
like, oh, all we were doing when you were around is solving your problems. That's still what we're doing. Yes. I'm like, but no, yes, one, no one asks you to solve her murder. Like, you don't right. have to deal with her problems if you don't want to but anymore. Yet, yet in the same, like, little complaint, like, monologue, she says, when it was just the three of us, it kind of worked. It kind of worked. Right. In what but, relationship are you like, it kind of worked when, like, the guy that I'm in love with is also in love with another girl <laughs> and we all hang out. Something about that monologue at the grave, and I think you'll appreciate this, I was like, oh my god, high school speech monologue. Or like, just like, that's like a bad audition monologue. You know, they say it's good if listeners think you're hot, so I just want to say at this time, listeners, we are extremely hot, despite the fact that I have said now that I've done, I've been the drama club president, had gay boyfriends, and was on speech team. I promise you, I'm smoking hot. Um, but like that, that, that monologue, I was like, oh my god, that is like totally an audition monologue, like a teenage girl at the oh grave god. of her best friend. How does it get to you being hot? What? No, I'm saying, okay. Like, part of radio is well, like, they say, like, you know, like, oh, you had a no, face for radio. I get that, but how do we get on that topic? I was saying that, like, grave. it's a joke, Tom. I was saying that, like, you're supposed to, your listeners like you more if they think you're hot. But when you say you were drama club president and, like, you're quoting no, I, I got speech. the joke. I got, but never mind. <laughs> Forget I said anything. Speech team is generally not a cool activity. Oh, okay. That, like, speech cool team and acting monologues. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm there. It is. I mean, I think it's a cool activity, and <laughs> I think cool people do it, of course. But, um, and it's a very sexy people type of thing to do. <laughs> but um, this monologue would have been perfect as a speech monologue, which, for those listeners who, like, got dates in high school, speech team <laughs> is when you competitively act on the weekends, like, <laughs> for trophies. So, this this scene where Donna is, like, at a gravestone talking to her best friend and being like, most of the time, it was, like, that is perfect. Oh, she's your really, problems. Like, she's hit <laughs> she's the anger like, area of her grief where yes. now she's just pissed off at Laura. But I also just have to note that Donna is really just mopping up the sloppy seconds of Laura. Yes! She oh, loves yes. Going Donna. On, going on to, let's go on to Harold now. Yeah. Yes, Donna... Harold Smith. So after the creepy cream corn incident, like, the old lady from Seinfeld was like, oh. Oh, yes, she's from Seinfeld, too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She was like, oh, talk to Mr. Swift. Oh, yeah, Smith. she's the Marble Rye lady. Yeah. <laughs> she, she must have started playing old ladies really young. Because, like, she actually ages well when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. she's been like, an old lady for a long time. For a long yeah. time. She looks great. Yeah. I actually think she's doing awesome. She might still be alive, I think. Yeah. I know. Well, IMDb it after this. Yes. Yeah. Once we Sorry. have access what to What were we folks. saying about the old lady? <laughs> oh, because she said to... Talk Donna. to next door to Donna to talk to Mr. Smith, Laura's friend. She oh didn't my use God. Quote air quotes, but she did with her voice. Yeah, and Harold yes, Smith, I was saying, I go back and forth. There are times when I could see what's attractive about him, but within three seconds of us meeting him on screen, he says the following sentences You're wearing a different sweater than yesterday. A, one sentence, which people tend to wear different clothes, clothes than every, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I can boy. offer you some saltines and apple butter. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Okay. Sentence number three, or maybe you'd like to wash your hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what? 
what what are you talking about? And he's dressed like he is... um like Johnny Depp from Benny and June. Like yeah. he's got like the white t shirt with suspenders. He's agoraphobic. Sounds like he's a germaphobe. Loves orchids. Uh... And when he talks he's got this glass so obviously two three, we're getting into two three here is about the title is him I think because it's yeah. a, it's a man in a glass window or man a man behind glass why I can't remember that title I have title blindness <laughs> um, but like he's got these orchids and then he goes in this thing like they they can grow in darkness with heat and I'm like I wrote like Laura's the orchid heavy handed <laughs> like it was just like very like I want you to put an orchid on Laura's grave well, and while we're talking episode titles, the episode of uh, title of episode two two was Coma. Yes. And uh, oh yeah, we get some really cool coma action in both these episodes. I want to point out like um, when Ronette is coming, oh. when they're interviewing her, she does another one of my like acting uh, things I hate, which is, <laughs> and it's not her fault because I, I notice no one can do it well. It's like when you're trying to make them. Obviously, say part of a word like just a tr tr, and oh, Cooper's yeah. like train, and it reminded me of like when Hodor does like hold the door, hold door, uh, and like I hated like that how that guy did that in that oh, scene. You did, yeah, I, like, I thought it was awful. Chills, I loved it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I, 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 I was pretty, it. yeah, I liked that scene too because it was quite a mystery. Of the origins of Hodor yeah. to get into Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise! Guess, this but... crew likes Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're Side hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's totally the Ronette is a good little actress, isn't she? Like she has a lot of like stuff where she she really doesn't get a lot of opportunity to do much, and she does it re really well. She can seize for the best <laughs> of them. She can, yeah. And so can the one-armed man, because he <laughs> shoots up something, and then he's, like, having a seizure oh, on the toilet. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of needles in these... Well, in just yeah. episode three. Some common... So many yeah, needles. And that's my thing that skeeves me out on TV. I finally, finally, fully understood without chemicals he points... Um, I still okay. So without needle, like no. So what it is? This is this is like a full on explains, and it's not a spoiler. But I think like you have to be really deeply watching to get it. Okay. So Philip Gerard, the shoe salesman slash one arm man, is at the sheriff's department selling shoes to Harry, doing a damned fine job, and starts Great. to feel a little dizzy, and he says like I have medication I have to take. And goes in the bathroom to take his medication, and I mean, then when he comes after out. He looks at Bob's. He's not able to. Right. He's not able to give himself the medication. Right. For some reason, he's having for, a seizure, so he can't so it, take the medication. Yeah. And that's the key point because it's uh, without, without his medicine, without he chemicals. points the way to Bob. Because uh, he then comes out of the bathroom in this kind of like other voice that we know as the one our man from the dream. Because, like, Philip so Gerard, shoe salesman's very, like, country bumpkin, normal. Like, he's like, I have the tattoo on my arm. It said, Mom. He's very sweet. And then this other kind of version of him comes out that's like, I know you're near, Bob, and I'm after you now. So I was like, oh, like, without chemicals, he points yeah, is. Okay. When he doesn't take his medication, you can follow Bob. him to And this Bob. is Mike, his other Right, his, like, alter ego. His alter ego. Yeah, so he has schizophrenia is my my 
final, like after ten times, I like finally fully get it. Um, and that actor's really good too. And um, we, we he's watched... a man from the North Pacific. Yeah, too, I think. Does he really actor. just have one arm? No. Oh, <laughs> he was part of that um, Twin Peaks without David Lynch campaign. Did we talk? We talked about this last time, I think, maybe. Um, Doesn't sound familiar to us. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> maybe part, this is not a this is not a spoiler. <laughs> it's just part of like production lore. So, the 2017 Showtime Twin Peaks, when it was getting green lighted and into production, all of a sudden, halfway through, something happened. Creative differences where David Lynch was going to pull out, and Machen Amick, who plays Shelley, um, created this campaign with various cast members, including, like, Cheryl and Fenn and Cheryl Lee, where she had all the cast members say, like, Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like, and they do, like, something to do with their character. Okay. It's really cute and sweet. They're all in it, like, every single one. And he does a really good job, and he says something really insightful. Oh, he's like, is like fire without the heat. Oh. And he does a really good job and does, and I'm like, oh, he's such a game guy to be like, <laughs> you know. They all are. They all love him. They get literally every cast member, and spoiler, David Lynch came back, and now they have even more episodes. It's like 18 episodes. Yeah. I'm stoked. It's going to be really good. But back to original Twin Peaks... Um, so yeah, I finally got without chemicals, he points. It took ten years. <laughs> so he's off. Yeah. We don't know where he he's went. He's off, yeah. we don't know where he went. They let him go. It is amazing how much they trust just Cooper's visions and dreams and instincts, and like, there's no actual physical forensics evidence. Scully would be pissed at this investigation. <laughs> that is true. Well, because... I do find it really cute and charming because, like, he talks... So Cooper finally lets Albert and um, Harry know that he had this dream with the giant. And they're really intrigued about, like, how tall the giant yes. is. Did he have, like, a booming voice? Like, let's describe this giant. He's like, okay, yeah, we'll take notes about what he said. But, like, right. explain giant to me. It's like Harry's reoccurring <laughs> gag. Every scene he's like, the ceilings at the Great Northern must be like 10 feet. And he just, every scene is on about the giant. It's so great. And that's, uh, and then we also have a Rosenfeld scene where oh, I think he... I was just about to do it Rosenfeld, if you didn't get it. Rosenfeld, <laughs> he says, any relation to the dwarf? <laughs> Which is interesting. And then further Rosenfeld burns. You got it, baby. Our, uh, you gave him the beans for your... <laughs> You know, magic cow or something. Rosenfeld's the only one who's like not charmed by Cooper's and then, detective work. And then one last walking. What are you walking? Finally walking without dragging your knuckles on the floor to Harry S. Truman. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's like, is that what you're going to be working on? Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be the one. So good. And then shortly thereafter is when he says, I love you, Sheriff Truman. Yeah. I just, like, he's so, so wonderful. Albert was a great. Unfortunately, that actor's passed away, you know, so oh, he yeah. can't he's, be in the new. No, he recently. is. He made it. What? Well, he's oh, he's in it. They filmed it. He just stuff, like, but then he passed yeah. away. He's yeah. a very he, compelling character. Yeah, he really is. And I think I like didn't quite see it as much in past viewings, and now it's yeah. so clear that like he is really like an important view into the world of Twin Peaks. <laughs> he's our Alice in Wonderland, if you will. Right. Um, so we get. A lot. Okay, so confusing thing that we need to dive into. We get some information about Leland recognizes Bob's picture, 
and says that when he was a kid, they used to vacation in Pearl Lake, and this guy was a guy who lived next to them. And Tom, you pointed out very obviously. Yeah. But wisely. Yeah, it's like they look like they're about the same age, the two actors. So are we? Is this guy like doesn't age or? Right. At first, because I thought like if he explained like, well, he was a little boy, but he I would recognize him anywhere still. That would be weird, but okay. Right. But no, that he makes it clear like this was like a man. Yeah, yeah. Because he says um, Leland start. He's at comes to the sheriff's department and he says. You know, I remember this. I saw this man. He used to throw matches at me. And he said, do you want to play with fire, little boy? Um, You know, I feel like you could name the episode two, three, like, reactions to Bob. Because (laughs) that's kind of what's happening is this picture's floating out, which, again, a lot of faith in Cooper that, like, really no one has seen this individual on the earth. And yet they've made these posters. Or people have seen him. Right, mm-hmm. yes. Renette, Maddie, Mrs. Palmer, and Cooper. But we don't know for sure if, I mean, Maddie and Mrs. Palmer at least feel and think that they've seen him in real life, but we don't know for sure. That's right. Nobody knows, actually, if he's, like, a legitimate person, and they're just full steam ahead with an investigation, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. Bob's their man, as Coop says. Yeah. yeah. There's a There's a... At the end of two, three, or towards the end, um, Jacoby goes under oh, hypnosis. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, this is a big plot point that yeah. we're forgetting. This is a huge point. <laughs> this is a huge point. I, I knew about it. I thought we were we're we're saving it towards the end here. Yeah. Oh, yes. sorry. I, I no, no, no. The no, last no. note I had. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's you're towards right. the end, which is why it's good to bring it up. Um, I don't remember what he, I don't even remember what, what he said. Jacoby's under. He gets hypnosis. hypnotized. Using yeah, but what, I don't remember what he said while he was under hypnosis. Oh, that he recognizes. He remembers oh, right. Jacques Renault getting killed in the hospital. Because he's having hypnosis in Jacques' room, right? Because right. they were like... Yes. This he was in, they were in the same room in the hospital. when Jacoby oh. had the heart attack after getting attacked. So he was like his roommate yes. right, during it. And, and Jacques, yeah, was, Jacques was shot by Andy. Yeah, they don't set that up totally well with yeah. like why yeah. are they hypnotizing yeah, yeah. I just thought he felt the vibe of the room and was like I can channel Jacques right apparently he was in the same room he's in the okay. same yeah, room yeah like they didn't show him in the same room yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. which is I, I yes it feels a bit like definitely kind a confusing of sloppy yeah. storytelling to like get there but whatever yeah. we'll forgive them but just... yeah he has a wife that has flown in from her their place from in Hawaii, Hawaii. <laughs> and she looks oh. like Moana from the Disney <laughs> yeah she's like, very young she's and attractive he just takes vacations to see his wife and then Why lives in he Twin just Peaks. Live there? And like he's obsessed with Hawaii. Everything in his life is Hawaii. And yet he's like in Twin Peaks, which is the opposite of Hawaii in every way. <laughs> yeah. What are what are you doing, Jacoby? He's an odd man. He's a strange, strange dude. Yeah. And he does so the big reveal is that he Leland that. killed. Shock yeah. Renault. That's not yeah. the reveal. We we the reveal oh, we knew that. Is but that the reveal that to Harry Cooper. and Cooper no, Have you no, guys no. ever yes. been under hypnosis or like gone to a hypnosis show? No, I'm like very scared to do it because I know it's legit. And I, See, there are like, things I don't want to... If I've repressed it, I don't want to remember it. I didn't but like think it was legit. Like I, I, But like then I... I once like drove some guy somewhere that was like... Yeah, I went to this like hypnosis show last night and like it was... Tom, were you hypnotized? No, I've never... I don't think... I bet... Oh, I would bet I couldn't would be. be. 
I would bet I'm one of the non-hypnotizable people. So people. why do you but I'm sure say everyone that? says that. Yeah, I mean, right. I think I don't know, but we're gonna find out a hypnotist show. And... I will. I will. <laughs> I will volunteer because I want to. I, I would love to try. My feeling is like if I have a memory that's repressed, I repressed it for a reason. That repression is working for me right now, and I don't want it unrepressed. Like, but yeah. that's. But I'm sure. Yeah, I don't want to be hypnotized. I also have doubts whether I could be hypnotized either, but you're right. Like, oh like everyone thinks that then. Like, yeah, but I'm no, just like, do you have to be the trying to let yourself be powerful. hypnotized to be hypnotized? Because like, I, I, I feel like I'd be like, I'm be... not getting hypnotized, I'm not listening to this person, and then it would just never happen. Okay, but I don't want to go down a total know. crazy tangent, but you have to read this book, Many Lives, Many Masters. That's all I'm going to say. It's about hypnosis therapy. It's absolutely mind-bogglingly brilliant. Well, I've seen... Have you seen, like, no... Not in person. Yeah. Like, they used to do them at our college a lot. I don't Weird. know why. Yeah. Right. Like, it was like, like a road act. Like, something Yeah. Like and it was, like... I think you just have to be, like, very able to get, like, really relaxed. And I bet you might be able to do it, because I've seen you relax. And, but like... if I was, like, actively <laughs> trying... Anyway. Yeah. But, and you like... have a very open mind about things, I think. I think you have a willingness to believe, you know? But I think I'm... you want to believe. <laughs> but I'm saying I would... Be... <laughs> I... X-Files crossover. Anyway. <laughs> I don't I... think it would work, because I think I would, be, I would be sitting there, like, trying not to listen to this guy, right. so then it wouldn't... But what if you actively tried to listen to him? But, yeah, I wouldn't... Yeah. I'd be afraid to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, if you tried to resist, I think you could. But if you go in with like, okay, I'm not going to try to resist, I think you could be. Tom, you might, after a hypnosis therapy session, come out believing that you're 18 years <laughs> yes. old again. You're like, oh, yeah. oh, that today. is a good like, segue. Start wow. doing the cheerleader <laughs> cheer. Like, wouldn't that be great? And like, I'm <laughs> a Oh, that was a cheer. I didn't really get what she was doing. She was well, doing a cheerleader was, cheer. It was ironic because there was. We're talking about Nadine, everybody. Nadine. <laughs> Nadine, Nadine is coming out of her coma <laughs> with superhuman strength, and she's superhuman strength. Like you thought, I thought the the bending of the rowmaster or whatever was like impressive, impressive and or unbelievable. This one, she breaks chain handcuffs like the Hulk. Oh my God! Yes, she's and amazing. Superhuman awesome. strength. And she thought she was a cheerleader, which was ironic because there was a cheerleading convention at the Great Northern. <laughs> yes. True. Ooh. Did the barbershop quartet get called back in any way? I'm, well, there was singing. James sang. Yeah. Uh, Ed sang. Oh, no, Ed yeah, sang. Ed, oh, Ed. Ed sang. On top of Old oh, Smokey. Yeah, but I was thinking of the other show. Yes. Wow. Um, also, oh, yeah. we've gotten... Uh, I, did we hit on Briggs and the Log Lady? No. Nope. We have not. Okay, yet. so that's not a yet. big one. I think that's 2-2, two, two, actually, but... That's we do okay. Get we'll go back. A yeah. lot of the owls are not what they seem. Yes. Um... Great scene with the log lady coming into the double R diner, and Norma very politely is like, I love having you here, but if you're gonna spit out your gum in the booth, like, please do so in the ashtray. And then the log lady is like, I'll have this, or whatever she I'll have a bear claw. Oh, yeah, a bear claw. (laughs) So the log lady is sitting next to Major Briggs, who, of course, is in full military regalia, and asks him if if he can hear the log. And he says no. But of course, he's very respectful. <laughs> and she says, well, I'll translate for you. And tells him, um, deliver the message. And he says, she's like, do you know what that means? And he says, yes. So Major Briggs goes to Cooper's room in the Great Northern, which is too bad because I was hoping it was Audrey. 
but <laughs> not, and shows up and says to Cooper that he, as part of his investigation within the government, he is monitoring deep space uh, radio signals. Radio signals, and it's yeah. mostly garbage. Like, again, X-Files crossover. What? It's so prevalent. In this, I can deal with a paranormal evil force happening. I'm fine with that, but like... Once you bring in space, too, it's like, there's a lot of shit going on right now. I know. It's a busy, busy time. Maybe maybe it's a little bit too much, but at least we got rid of the milk crop. So I guess, so he shows Cooper, which I love, too, how he's like, um, you know, I'm restricted, I can't say anything, but let me show you this transmission, like, that I have in my seat. And he's like, it's mostly gobbledygook, but then it's, the owls are not what they seem at the time that Cooper was shot. And then Cooper, Cooper. Cooper. So the message is for Cooper, the owls are not what they seem. Right. And because... Yeah, so... Sorry. No, go on. Uh, Just that, like, yeah, someone's talking to Cooper from deep space, apparently. Right. Well, and then the giant guy comes back while Cooper's asleep, waves his hand over his sleeping body, and he has a bunch of visions, but also reiterates the owls are not what they see. Yeah. We've heard it from like three different people several ways. Bob transitions to an owl yeah. and then transitions back out. Like so the dissolve they like to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's I, so we don't know what that's about. And I gotta say I'm not sure that I still do. I don't mean to be <laughs> like I'm like I really don't. Um interesting scene that I always have problems with um, right after the big freak out between James and Donna and Maddie, Maddie starts crying to Leland about her problems, which Donna had, you know, I feel like other people have done this to Leland and I want to be like, have like some sense of propriety and don't be selfish. Like Leland's daughter just died. Don't talk to him about your dumb high school girl problems. Like she's like, everyone thinks I'm Laura. And I'm like, maybe it's not helpful to your uncle and aunt (laughs) to be identical to their dead daughter and like be hanging out. Like just leave. (laughs) All the fucking time. It's like, where are your parents, Maddie? (laughs) But Leland is so sweet to her. And he's like, you know, you just want life to be like it was before. And I think that that line is really important for Leland, and it's important for all the characters that, like, despite the fact that clearly there's this duality of, like, something already before Laura died was going on in Twin Peaks, like, that we didn't, there was more to it, it wasn't just this idyllic time, but Laura's death meant something, it was significant, and it's changed the town, it's changed things for everybody, and this like, they just want to go back to what life was like before, but then he does have this kind of weird comment about, like, but... Why can't it be more like those summers in Pearl Lake? Which he just told us those summers were when when he, he was, was with a boy. Bob yeah. and Bob like he was a boy yeah. and Bob was creepy. But I think they also mentioned in the first season when Maddie came back was like, oh, we spent summers together. Oh, but they yeah. didn't mention right. Pearl Lake until this second one. Okay. So it could be like, oh, and then when Hawk does okay. his investigated because that's all he does, right? Because he knows. He's Hawk is, like, doing more actual detective work than anyone else. Like, the rest of them are, like, mapping out dreams on blackboards. <laughs> and Hawk's like, I went to Pearl Lake and, like, looked up this lease and, like, did some actual... Yeah, he like, does describe work. his... Detective. <laughs> like, he's like... He's like, I gotta call the title yeah. company. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm checking like, the utilities, who those... What name right. those are yeah. under. So Meanwhile, like, you guys... Yeah, he does Cooper's the like, paperwork. like, drawing a circle on a blackboard with, like, squiggles. And Hawk is like... Or 
I have this sheet of actual paper with information. Like, he found the bloody rag on the train tracks, yeah, too. Like, oh. Give Hawk a promotion. Hawk He's, like, doing good. the actual work. But right at the very end of the episode, while Leland is comforting Maddie, Cooper and Harry come in and arrest him oh, yeah. for the murder of Jacques Renault, which is a pretty, like, we knew he did it, but yeah. I still... I remember watching that and being like, ah, oh, did you have to? Like, he's been through so much. Like, just let him go. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, no one wants to put Leland through any more pain. And, like, I, I really feel for Leland in this episode. For some reason, I find him really sweet, even with his, like, missteps with yeah, lawyering. You, you definitely feel for him, even though, like, he did kill a guy. Because he's not doing yeah. his crazy crying dance where he's just, like really wounded like it was season one this right. time he's like i'm trying to get my shit back together like he's co- yeah he's i'm coming helpful. back i don't know why i have white hair no one does <laughs> right. but still like i'm yeah. trying guys yeah. like i want to be a lawyer again or <laughs> yeah, whatever i do he seems to have normalized again a little bit but does he still think he killed laura's killer i he think probably that does. he does yeah because yeah. he yeah and can you really blame him? I mean, I feel right, like right. it's no, like a completely not. legitimate response. So so that's kind of where we're left off is Leland kills Jacques. I just want to yeah. go back really quick to Hawk doing all the real detective work. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, what is Truman? Truman doesn't really do anything but follow Cooper around. <laughs> like, I know, and agree with everything, yeah. no matter how out there it is. Like, And, and kind of like... Also, why I have to wonder why is Truman the parole officer for Harry or for uh, Hank? Like, right. couldn't someone else do that? Like, isn't Seems he Seems a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like how the doctor's the doctor to everyone. Yes, and giving what was he? He was like giving um legal advice to Shelly. Right? <laughs> because we haven't touched on what's oh, happening. Oh yeah, that's with right. With Shelly, Shelly, oh, Leo, yeah. and Bobby. So Leo got shot by Hank right. last time. And then, like, again... Which he was supposed to kill Leo. He was hired yeah. to do that, and he messed up, yep. I think. Okay. Is what this... So he's in a coma now, though. Leo's yeah. in a coma. Good job. And then the doctor was telling Shelly about, like, well, if he's... Yeah, because she asked the doctor for legal advice. She's like... <laughs> Basically, yeah. What is... What are... Whatever she says, he ended up saying, like, well, he's... Suspected for several felonies, so... Yeah, <laughs> he would be in prison if he wasn't in the state, but because he's in the state, they can't send him to prison. You know, poor Shelly yes. just is not very bright, and, no. you know, we know she dropped out of high school, and ladies don't do that, because then <laughs> what will happen is you have to rely on some men who are really not so bright to Your give you information. domestic-abusing husband <laughs> that you want to shoot... Or your weird lover who tells you that maybe you should take care of your husband who's a vegetable for the insurance money. Right, because we all know healthcare is all about giving copious <laughs> amounts of money to the uh, like unhealthy. That's and, what it's about. Yeah. But because Bobby's like, because that's just, gonna work out well. You can just stick him in the corner. I was like, I don't. I There's don't. nothing creepier on earth than that idea. But she like goes with it. And I was like, I don't know anything about taking care of someone that's in that kind of state, but I'm pretty sure it's not like, we're just going to put him here and ignore him. No. And we're going to do it on the couch over here. Right. That's what Bobby's thinking, though. I know. Bobby's like, leave it all to Bobby, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Bobby, you're not that smart either. No. I love, love, love the way Cooper reacts to her interview with when she goes in the police department and he's like, 
Okay, Shelly, well, I'm sure we'll get Leo back to you, just the same old great Leo that you know and obviously still love. And he's just like shoving her out the door and she's like, what? You know, like, right. poor like, Shelly is just outmaneuvered by everyone around her. Because like, she's like, I'm not going to give a statement on like how my husband almost had me burn to death right in this mill fire just get rid of him just be like like, put him him in prison forever like harry's like what the fuck is going on right now and harry's like cooper's just like meh fine fine Alrighty, shells here's hoping he (laughs) he pulls through good luck yeah Yeah, like the reverse psychology thing where he's like yeah "Yeah, well we (laughs) hopefully your abusive husband will be back to you real soon you understand bye he is really funny it's sort of it started to work but he then does kind she, of have like a yeah. weird implication there too. He's like, hopefully then he'll realize the wonderful person he's married to, as though she's not because she's taking care of the insur or wants the insurance money. And right. I'm like, you know what? She deserves the insurance money, Cooper. Like, <laughs> and then some. Like, because he suspects he definitely suspects oh, yeah. that like Leo she, tied her up in the the mill. Yeah. So yeah. Also, these two episodes were Josie and Catherine free, but it was also Pete free. That's the problem with the mill plot. It's like, if you don't have Josie and Catherine, you also don't have Pete. You know what? I'm okay with it. I know. Like, like there was mention of Catherine, there was mention of Josie, and it was like, I don't even care. Okay, so here's a question for Tom and Melissa, new Twin Peaksies. So 2-2 was directed by David Lynch, and 2-3 was directed by Leslie Linka-Glotter. Um, did you feel or, like, sense a difference or not? Well... Do you feel like it still sort of has a consistency? It does, but you can tell a difference. I mean, yeah, yeah now that I'm thinking about it, I can see the difference, but it two, wouldn't... Three hit a lot of needles. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of weird focus on the needles. I think needles. she does the more of the soap opera-y ones. Yeah. And David Lynch ones, I can really tell. I do feel like he has a distinctive tone. Next time there's a David Lynch one... Don't mention it. Okay. I always do, because I always look for the director, because I know that my favorite directors, if it's not David Lynch, I do like Caleb Deschanel, um, and, like, I don't like Harley Payton that much, I don't think. I wonder if Caleb is related to Zoe. Yeah, and their mom is the one in the wheelchair, Mrs. Hayward. Mary Jo. Mary Jo. So, Mary Jo Deschanel is Zoe, and other Deschanel sisters, mom. Emily. Emily. She's on Bones. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then the director is their dad. So... And Emily's married to Rickety Cricket from... <gasps> it's always sorry. Um, I love Rickety Cricket. I think yeah. he's so cute. They're married and they oh have like God. a couple babies. I love the Deschanel's. <laughs> Emily's like just kind of an okay actor, but she's very sweet. And like, I like her as like... She's Mrs. Hayward in the wheelchair. Is... You definitely know. Remember, like, Donna's in the, mom. Donna's mom. In the wheelchair. Oh, right. in the and wheelchair. then she just kind of rolls out. Oh, yeah. She rolls out. She's in the background. She was saying in away. some um, interview how, like, even with her, even with Caleb being one of the directors on Twin Peaks, they wouldn't get, like, full scripts and things like that for episodes he didn't direct. And so there was always this kind of, like, mystery in the house of, like, not really fully knowing the whole story of what was going on with Twin Peaks, which I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah. And so the only other note I have is related to Josie because we have credit say Asian guy. I know. <laughs> That's just reading Lurking a paper about. and looking at Cooper like 
very mysteriously. Yeah, yeah very mysteriously. Yeah, he's 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 building, on... he's building the credits as Asian man. Yeah, no, which is a little so disappointing. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not missing Hong Kong guy because when the last season ended, he was calling Hong Kong for yep. something. So I was like, well, yeah. at least I feel like that. Will we find out who that man is? <laughs> What will happen with Leland <laughs> next time on Laura Palmer is Dead, a Twin Peaks podcast? Mwahaha.